0: Chapter 32 of the Three Midshipmen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Oliver Walton. The Three Midshipmen by William Henry Giles Kingston. Chapter 32 Fight to the Last. The Chinese pirates now made sure that the brig was their own though so severe was the lesson she had given them that they showed a considerable disposition to approach her with caution. Still, as they drew closer and closer round her, and she no longer continued to fire, they grew bolder in their proceedings. Hitherto the crew of the Blenny were not aware that their powder was exhausted. Captain Hemming thought it better to tell them, My lads, he exclaimed, in a cheerful tone as he could assume, we've run short of powder, but as I take it, no one would dream of striking to these cutthroats. We'll show them that the British seamen know how to use their cutlasses. The men gave a hearty cheer to show that they responded to their commander's appeal. Still, there were fearful odds against them. The pirate junks pressed on, and though the gallant Tars would have despised the crews who manned them, still from their very numbers, they might prove overwhelming. My dear Jack, said Alice in a low tone, I never thought it would come to this, but it seems the enemy will get the better of us after all we'll render a good account of them however before that we will said jack drawing in his sword belt a hole tighter and clutching his cutlass with a firmer grasp that big fellow will be alongside us in half a minute but i say what are those he pointed as he spoke through an opening between two of the junks all eyes were turned in the same direction several dark objects were seen on the water they were boats the foam thrown up by their bows glittered brightly as the rays of the sun fell on it showing the rate at which they were coming on the british crew gave an involuntary cheer as they caught sight of them though had no doubt they were friends so intent had been the pirates on capturing their prey that they had not yet discovered the approach of the boats the sight gave fresh energy to the british seamen the big junk at length got alongside the brig and from her lofty bulwarks down poured the pirates on the deck of the latter but though they got there, they had reason to wish themselves back again, for the British cutlasses made very speedy work of them, and not one in ten escaped with their lives. Still, even the bravest of the British Tars wished that the boats would arrive, for two or more huge junks ranged up, one of the, one on the Blenny Quarter and another on her bows, and they had to divide to repel the pirates who swarmed on their sides. Another and another junk came up, and soon joined outside of the others, so that the pirates had the power of throwing a continual stream of borders onto the deck of the brig. Had they not known of the approaching boats, Hope would have certainly forsaken the crew of the Blenny. A few musket cartridges remained, with which the marines kept up fire on the denser masses of pirates. The smoke they produced, added to that of the guns from the pirates, threw so thick a veal over the scene that the expected boats were no longer visible. More than once, Captain Hemming pulled out his watch to ascertain how time sped, and then again had to lead on his men to repel a fresh attack several times the british were almost overpowered and the most resolute bravery alone could have saved them suddenly some sharp reports were heard close to them the masters of several of the junks were observed to be receding and then arose above the din of the battle three hearty british cheers the hard-pressed crew of the blenny responded to it and they had to exert every nerve and muscle to keep their enemy at bay There were more shouts and shots, and then came shrieks and cries and the clashing of steel. And Terence Adair, with little Harry Bevan, was seen, followed by a party of seamen, cutting their way along the deck of the nearest junk, driving numbers of pirates before them, till they reached the point in contact with the brig. When, with a cry of joy, Terence and Harry leaped down on her deck. The meeting of the friends was brief indeed, but cordial, and then once more they separated, each with their followers to attack and return the junks which pressed round them. At this juncture, the brig's royals were seen to bulge out for an instant. There was an evident movement along the junks. The shouts and hurrahs of the British seamen were redoubled. The shrieks and cries of the Chinese increased. The mass of junks surrounding the brig began to break away. Those inside now seemed to be in the greatest hurry to escape. Mr. Chewy's countenance, even in the heat of battle, looking jovial and rosy, was now seen as he fought his way with his boat's crew from deck to deck of the junks, driving their crews into the sea no quarter was asked by the desperadoes and the british seamen were not much inclined to give any the roar of guns was heard it was the frigate which was now coming up with a rattling breeze firing at the flying junks the pirates made up the most desperate attempt to escape they cut and slashed away with their axes in the most frantic manner at the grapnels which they themselves had thrown on board the brig and at the ropes which secured them to each other and at length those who could not free their junks began cutting their throats blowing out their brains jumping overboard or disembowelling themselves while others in the madness of their desperation fired into their magazines or threw torches into the holds of their vessels in the hopes of burning their foes with themselves in this last amiable intention they did not succeed as well as they expected for as the junks were by this time pretty well separated though some blew up and some burned a great number were captured by the boats The frigate now got up to the scene of action, and, her shot as she passed them, sank several more of the junks, which may have escaped, and crippled others, which the boat succeeded in capturing. Jack and Alec had, meantime, with a half a dozen followers, boarded a big junk, the crew of which made a most desperate resistance. While engaged in driving the enemy overboard, or otherwise disposing of them, the midshipmen perceived that the junk, which had all her sail set, had got free from the brig and was driving rapidly away from her. They had very severe work, for which the pirates saw themselves free from the but They made a stand, which nothing but the most determined courage could have overcome. Again and again the midshipmen and their followers charged them. At last, the chief, with most of his officers, was killed, and the rest began to give way. The remainder finding this, and knowing that there was no chance of escape, began getting rid of their lives in the way which had already been described the process being considerably aided by the conquerors, till the last gang of them, with terrific shrieks, went overboard together. As to the British seamen attempting to save the lives of any of them, that was impossible, for they themselves even would not allow it. "Hullo!" cried Jack, as the last party of them disappeared, and left the deck clear of all but the dead and dying. "'Where are we?' "'Well,' might he ask the question, for the junk had been driving away before the wind, and had by this time got nearly a couple of miles away from the brig.' At all events, we have got an independent command, he continued, when he had ascertained the state of affairs. And, Alec, I vote we take a cruise by ourselves, and capture some more of the enemy. You and I look like Chinamen already, and we can easily rig out our men in some of the clothes of these fellows. And so I have no doubt we shall be able to get alongside without the suspecting us. Murray thought the notion was not a bad one, and the men were delighted with it very soon transforming themselves into fierce-looking pirates pigtails and all for they had rapidly cut off the latter appendages from their conquered foes the next business was to throw the dead men overboard and to bind up the wounds of those who still lived but those who had strength tore off the bandages as fast as they had put them on and were evidently intent on quitting the world the midshipmen did all they could to prevent them by keeping their weapons out of their reach but one fellow got hold of a knife and stabbed himself to the heart another blew out his brains with the pistol which he drew out of his comrade's pocket and a third after his wounds had been bound up and he had little recovered strength took the opportunity of scrambling overboard if Jack and Alec had allowed it, the seamen, on observing this, would have thrown the rest of the prisoners after them. What's the use of coopering up these chaps, if that's the way they goes to behave for themselves? exclaimed Dick Snatchblock, Boatswain's mate, as he caught another fellow by the leg who was attempting to do the same. Keep quiet, you I say, and he dealt him a box on the ear, which knocked him flat on the deck. They now made sail after three junks nearest to them. The whole fleet was scattered far and wide to every part of the compass i wish that hemming and the other fellows on board the brig knew where we were observed jack we should be reported dead or missing they will value us so much more when we make our appearance answered murray but jack look at that junk her crew seems to have more spirit than the rest of the scoundrels they do not seem to be in such a hurry to run away they take us for friends observed jack perhaps we have got hold of the admiral's ship and they probably are bound to wait for him we shall undeceive them i guess pretty soon "'Seal the guns ready, therefore, and aft. will astonish them when they get near us.' "'The two junks drew closer and closer. "'They were well within range of each other's guns. "'Jack was on the point of giving the order of fire, "'when who should jump on the bulwarks of the stranger but Paddy Air? "'Jack jumped up also and waved his hat. "'He forgot that he looked like a Chinaman, "'and that all his crew were similarly disguised. "'A broadside from Paddy's junk and a rattling shot musketry, "'reminded him of the fact.' Happily, the shot flew high, but he got the upper tip of the ear taken off. He jumped down again on the deck. What shall we do? We have no one's sign with us. How should we let Paddy know who we are, he exclaimed. If he were an enemy, I shouldn't care, but to be shot by one's friends is too bad. Perhaps we may find a tablecloth, or some sheets, or something of that sort, suggested Murray. Nothing of the sort was to be found, and they were expecting every moment that Adair would send them another broadside into them. When Jack bethought him that perhaps a pair of white trousers would answer the purpose of a flag of truce. A pair which had been exchanged for a Chinaman's nether garments was run up the peak, and every other flag was hauled down. This had the desired effect, for Adair did not again fire. As soon as the two junks got within hail, Jack shouted out, Paddy, ahoy! Paddy, my boy! Don't be after blowing up your friends if you love them! Terence jumped up again on the bulwarks and peered eagerly at the big junk. Jack and Alec then showed themselves and the two vessels were soon alongside of each other. Very little time was lost in greeting, and it was quickly arranged that they would again start off to secure two or three more junks than they had returned. As, however, during the time they had been approaching each other, the enemy had gotten considerably in advance, and as the frigate in the same movement began to fire guns to recall her boats, they agreed that they ought to return. Another reason which still had more weight with them was that they had several of their men wounded for whom they wished to get assistance they at once therefore hauled their wind but they had considerable difficulty in beating up towards the frigate till they bethought them of lowering the junks leeboard when they found themselves so wonderly well to windward before dark the captured junks were assembled under the guns of the frigate and brig the reception the midshipmen met with on board the frigate was cordial in the extreme all rejoiced fore and aft that roger and murray had once again turned up well it's a mighty satisfaction to be lost for the sake of the pleasure it affords one's friends to see one back again observed terence and old fellows i knew you would come back somehow or another i always said so astride a dolphin if in no other way though harry here and some of his friends would not believe me i am very glad you are right paddy said jack but we haven't done with the pirate yet the villain have carried off two ladies and some seamen and we must be after them we shouldn't lose time either observed murray We should tell the captain, and get him to send off an expedition at once, to search for them. All agreed to this, so Jack and Alec instantly went to the captain's cabin, and made their report. On hearing it, Captain Grant, without loss of time, organised an expedition, which was placed, as had been the former one, under the command of the indefatigable Lieutenant Cherry. Captain Willock volunteered his services, as did his men, and Terence got leave to accompany it with Jack and Alec the wounded men were in the meantime removed from the brig she was furnished with a supply of powder and the fresh hands were sent to her from the frigate captain hemming was then ordered to cruise in whatever direction the boats might go to render assistance if necessary he and his officers were glad of the opportunity that they might inflict a further punishment on the pirates should they fall in with them the question now arose as to the direction in which they should proceed captain willock suggested that they were not likely to be very far off and as he knew the haunts of the pirates he undertook to act as pilot in spite of the attempts of the pirates to destroy themselves several had been secured alive and unwounded two of the most intelligent and who seemed to be most willing to be communicative were selected to accompany the expedition and they were made to understand by size that if they assisted in discovering the prisoners they would be handsomely rewarded their little pig eyes glittered where they saw the gold held up to them and there appeared to be very little doubt they would try to earn it one fellow however made a clutch at it at once and intimidated that he should like to receive the reward first and do the work afterwards catch a weasel asleep old fellow said paddy who stood by making a significant gesture while the chinaman seemed to understand fully for his eyes twinkled more than ever and he laughed heartily as if he thought his proposal a very good joke Jack and Alec, having washed off the stains of gunpowder and blood, with which they were pretty well covered, and reassumed their proper uniforms, declared themselves ready to proceed. They laughed at the notion of wanting rest. Let us get back the old lady, and the young lady, and the other prisoners, and then we will turn it and take a spell of twenty-four hours at least, exclaimed Jack, as he jumped into his boat. The American master went with Mr. Cherry, as did also the interpreter belonging to the frigate, as without him they could not hope to do so much. The three midshipmen each had the command of a boat, They all kept close together steering to the southeast for which point the wind was favourable light hazy blue hillocks indicating islands lay away to the southeast the brig having caught up to the boats took them in tow and stood towards the island till she got close enough in to be visible from the shore then she cast them off and they stood in alone it was quite dark before the boats reached the land they pulled noiselessly along until they reached a sheltered bay into which they ran and brought up under a high, rocky point where they may lay concealed till the return of daylight should enable them to proceed on their expedition. They had passed several such nights since they had come into the China Seas, and many more on the coast of Africa, so that there was nothing very particular to interest them. One officer at a time, and two men in each boat, were directed to keep watch while the rest went to sleep. It was Jack's middle watch. It is not surprising "'considering all the fatigues he had gone through, "'that he should be very drowsy. "'Still, he did his utmost to keep awake. "'He kept pinching himself, and rubbing his nose, "'and then he lit a cigar and tried to smoke, "'but in spite of it, he was conscious "'that more than once he indulged in a loud snore. "'His head nodded, too, "'just like that of a person who unfortunately falls asleep in church. "'He had kept the prisoner who had been committed to his side. "'The man appeared to be fast asleep. "'Jack, in spite of his drowsiness, "'became conscious that something was moving close to them. "'There was a splash.' He started up the prisoner was not in his place. At a little distance off, a round object popped out of the water. In an instant Jack, giving a loud shout, was overboard and darting away in chase of the man. The shout he gave and the noise of his plunge woke up the people in other boats, only in time, though, to see the other Chinaman swimming away in the direction taken by his countryman. On this all the boats slipped their cables and made chase. Though there appeared to be a great probability that in the darkness the pirates would effect their escape. End of chapter thirty two.